Jeff Bastian, and you're listening to Ignited with Meaning, where we're exploring the terrain of a meaningful life, taking steps to become our best selves, and feeling more fulfillment from that. Right after college, I did an internship at a small farm in the Oregon woods called Aprovecho. In addition to learning about farming and forestry, I took classes on something called appropriate technology. The idea is to create technology that is people-centered, sustainable, and customized to local needs like bicycle-powered water pumps, solar hot water, composting toilets, all of which are relatively easy to develop and maintain locally and meet that criteria. And it was during this part of the internship that I met today's guest, Dean Still. In the show, I've mainly talked with people who spend time studying or at least thinking about meaning or purpose specifically, but I really wanted to talk to Dean because he's someone who is just living it. Dean's mission has been to design the perfect wood-burning cook stove. Three billion of the world's poorest people rely on wood as fuel for cooking. The stoves or open fires they traditionally use are inefficient and give off a lot of harmful smoke. Dean's stoves aimed to change that. After 30 years, he's developed countless prototypes, built custom lab equipment to test emissions, and deployed over 60 of these labs across the globe to help local manufacturers improve their stoves. Just recently, he manufactured his millionth stove in partnership with a factory in China. But he thinks he can do better. In two years, he hopes to retire after perfecting the stove that effectively produces no smoke at all at a cost of less than $10. He's got a long-term vision to solve a specific problem, which has a positive social and environmental benefit, and I assumed that it's personally meaningful to him, so I wanted to find out how he thinks about that. I met Dean at his new research facility. We sat out back in a little structure he calls his prayer shack. It sits along a small brook with large windows looking out over the surrounding forest. We pick up this interview with Dean and I talking about his worldview on happiness and whether people can truly change. He says his thoughts were informed by both what his parents said and did to try to be better people. My mother always was terribly optimistic that someone can understand who they are and change it and be happier. And yet I saw her from the outside as unable to do that. You didn't actually see her change it. I didn't see it. So she thought she was going through all these transformations and I saw the same person all the time. So why don't you think people have much ability to change who they are? I'm happier now at 66 than certainly I was as a younger person Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's a horse and its name is Dean. And so you learn what the horse wants to do and then you let it do that more and more. That to me is how one gets happier is just learn who that is. Uh So you're more less in opposition to who you really are. So who were your parents really? My well, that's pretty complicated, right? My my parents, <laughs> my dad and mom were organizers their whole life. They tried through organizing, mm-hmm. uh, make a better world. My dad 
became a minister. And at that time, uh, they wouldn't let women become ministers. Mm -hmm. So my mom became a professional church worker. They worked then in Chicago where I went to high school with gangs on the South side. And we had the black Panthers at our house all the time. And, uh, our phone was tapped all the time by Mayor Daly's goon squads. And my dad was in jail a whole bunch of times for protecting black people who the cops were trying to kill and stuff like that. I thought my parents were perfect until I was in eighth grade. Something happened. So what happened was um, I said, Dad, you're right. School is for fools. Screw this. I'm going to go be a real human being living on planet Earth. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> so we fought. Uh, Dr. Spock, does that make any sense to you? I've heard the name, but he's, he's not in vogue at he, this No, okay, well, uh-huh. Dr. Spock wrote a book about how parents should have family councils. So the way that your family is run is no one leaves the dinner table with a problem. You know, and so, but it's trying to teach everybody that rationality is the cure to getting along. Uh Someone like Shakespeare would say, you cannot do that, unfortunately. You know, human beings are not rational. So you can try, but the gods laugh at you. I am ruled by emotion and I'm ruled by my unconscious. Carl Jung would call it the ocean. And you're an island floating on the ocean. An ocean of abilities and knowledges and uh, ancient stuff and gods and all of the weird artistic and love and sex and everything all mushed together down there that is really, really is guiding you. So for the the island to believe that it is the all and total of stuff is just kind of ridiculous, right? But I don't know, you just have to, that's the weird thing about life is you have to do both, right? Right. (laughs) There's a lot packed in there, Dean. Sorry. (laughs) So taking it back one step, looking at your parents, you know, at some point they must have, if their horse, if, if who they were was organizers and then that's what they were doing, why, why was it that that didn't give them happiness? It didn't work. Both of them died, I would say, kind of depressed because they had not seen a good transformation in the world. In fact, you know, things have gotten a lot worse socially. What do you think would have made them happier? Uh, if people had changed so that their philosophy was... Uh, validated Uh (laughs) for them they were organizing and because it didn't work from their perspective that left them feeling unhappy but what else was it that they should have been doing for happiness i well can i just transfer it to me what i learned you cannot help human beings to be happier basically i mean even jesus christ couldn't make everybody happy even Buddha, like it didn't work, you know? Like they tried, they, they wrote stuff down, they talked to people uh-huh. and everyone was just as miserable, you know? You mean everyone was just as miserable? Well, pretty much, I think, yeah, one out of a happier. million. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
But for me, so I just looked at my parents and I went, well, I mean, here are really people who are trying so hard. They're so, they're saints, really, and they're uh-huh. miserable. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to try to make a physical object better. And that maybe will help people to be happier. And then I was just lucky that I ran across Dr. Larry Winiarski in 1989 under a tree at Aprovecho. And within two weeks, I had found that thing. Better stoves. Okay, let's let's yeah, pause and talk about okay. Larry Winiarski. Yeah. Describe him for me and, how, and like what his contribution is to stoves. Dr. Winiarski, Larry, had a horrible accident happen to his family uh, when the kids were really young. And he said to God, if you help me, I will devote my life to helping humanity. And so um, the kids were okay. And Larry is a PhD in mechanical engineering, and he always loved combustion. So he invented something called the rocket stove. What what is a rocket stove and how is that? Basically, it's a short insulated chimney above the fire. Mm -hmm. And so the fire, the gas, the smoke, the flame, the air are forced to mix in that small chimney, Mm four-inch chimney. Okay. And so it helps a lot to clean up the smoke. For people who don't understand what the improved cook stoves are for and what they do and the problem that they're trying to solve. Can you tell us about that situation? If I can't, I've wasted my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, Jeff, um, about half the world continues to use wood every day for cooking. They are cooking still, essentially, on an open fire in a kitchen. And all of that smoke is being breathed by the woman who's cooking and the kids she's taking care of. And the men are outside drinking beer. And so these poor women and kids are breathing smoke, which is very similar to cigarette smoke. Four million people a year die from breathing wood smoke. Uh, And that's more than malaria. So it's one of the most deadly killers is breathing wood smoke. And then equally as bad is that they use way too much wood. They're not efficient in making the pot boil, right, in making food. There's two halves to it. Use the least amount of wood and breathe the least amount of smoke. And not just that, but it has to cook really well. So don't forget, I mean, the women are the cooks, basically, in the world. Uh And if they're not involved, the invention will not suit them and it won't appeal to them. I found a problem Mm -hmm. that I could help to solve. First, we had to make equipment that would allow us to see, does the stove make less smoke and carbon monoxide? How does heat transfer efficiency become improved? We do that every day. You saw me. I was just doing a test uh, before we started talking. I mean, this, but we had to invent the emission equipment to do that. Now, all these years later, we can teach people exactly how to make their stove better. How much better? I mean, you, you were saying that... You can help people use up to 50% less fuel uh, in a small stove and up to 90% less fuel in a big stove. 
if you have a chimney, then the stove is designed so that everything goes out the chimney. So you are still putting some stuff outside in the outer air, uh -huh. but maybe a tenth of the open fire. So that's a 90% reduction yeah. in emissions. Right. Which is very fulfilling. Why is that fulfilling to you? This is my life's work is to make a affordable, which means less than $10 retail mm -hmm. stove that is optimized to use the least amount of wood and make the least amount of smoke. So that's my life's work. Yeah. I'm really lucky that I have a such an easy stated <laughs> problem. Uh -huh. How many, I mean, part of a good life, I think, for a scientist is, do you have a good problem? So it's fulfilling both in that you've, you've been able to be successful in accomplishing it. We're getting uh, closer to our goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because it helps save lives. I have to admit that I'm not that good a person. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. But no, I am a, I'm just an egotistical, weird human being who wants to solve this damn problem. Um, and it just happens to be good for a couple billion Three billion, people. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and so I wouldn't have picked a problem that wasn't to help humanity. You said half the world, so three over three billion people. And what percentage of them have an improved cook stove now? None. I would say it's almost not countable, the effect that we've had. <laughs> I'm not saying we haven't had successes. So in Central America, Larry Winiarski and Peter Scott and uh, Mike Hatfield went down there with no money. And the, with the people there, they invented something called the plancha stove, which is a griddle mm -hmm. uh, with a chimney. Uh -huh. And now everywhere you go, there is that stove. You know, things like that are great. So you were saying when you met Larry, your big lesson from watching your parents was don't try to change people, try to make an object that's better. Might make people happy. And that happier. might make people happier. Yeah. What? And then you spent 30, Well, let's years, see. So 1989. So that's when I started this. So 30 years ago. Yeah. So do you think anybody's happier as a result of what you've been able to do? Remember, uh, that's not my problem. I mean, uh, that, yes, I think they probably are. But I mean, I'm going to do this whether they're happy or not. I want to. Okay. I want to make a stove that is perfect, and then I think they will be a lot healthier uh -huh. and happier. Uh -huh. You know, and uh, so I'm only halfway there. I think in two years I'll be done. So 30 years to get halfway there, and you think in the next two years you're going to get this? I hope so. Basically, I think the fastest way is just to build something and test it. And if you do that twice a day, you're like a monkey jumping on the keys. You're going to write Shakespeare eventually. Whether you're smart or not smart, uh -huh. you will get there. If I just keep on going, we will find a solution. Yeah. Okay. And I think we will. Now we have aerospace engineer, we have an electrical engineer, we have a mechanical engineer, uh, all of whom are working on this problem. It's going to be an intense amount of effort to 
figure this out, but I think we will. So for a lot of my listeners, you know, they're interested in this idea of happiness, living a meaningful life. Would you say you've lived a meaningful life? Can I answer you truthfully? Yeah. That does not matter. It really doesn't. We are now, unfortunately, uh, in a space where I don't think whether people are happy or not has anything to do with it. Climate change is going to ha- is happening, uh-huh. and there's going to be so much turmoil. I-, I just wish that everybody, and I know this is stupid. We're not mm-hmm. going to do this right, but I wish that people would just go, okay, whether I'm happy or not, my kids are going to be a lot less happy. Mm-hmm. And so I better start dealing with this for their sake. I'm not going to live a me-centered life. I'm going to live an other-centered life, which is where my parents were at. Uh My parents wouldn't let us watch TV Uh or, you know, listen to the Beatles. They they were like, if you have that much time on your hands, you better go out there and help that old lady mow her lawn. (laughs) That was really where their heads were at. Because of climate change, I think if it was me, I would uh, have everybody just switch to trying to solve problems. And you start with problems of the poor because they're the ones who are going to suffer the most. And then you could eventually maybe get to the problems of the rich. Okay. And so I would have all the young people pick a problem and they would solve those problems. Then, yeah, I would feel like my kids stand a chance of being happy. And right now I would say that is challenged, right? Severely. And then I led this wonderful life of adventure and fun and, you know, just doing whatever I wanted to do and living on planet Earth and living outside and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And they can't. They won't be able to. It's going to be too hot or whatever. I think what you're saying is something that I hear a lot of people saying is that, look, living a meaningful life is about being other oriented. It's, yeah. it's not about... Trying to well, make yourself, like, figure out what you can get for yourself. It's figuring out. And my know. slant on it, uh-huh. right, Jeff, is make something. Uh-huh. Right. That's my slant. Is right. My parents were super other-oriented. They uh-huh. were miserable. But really, uh, if you try to make something that the our civilization desperately needs, then, to me, you've done something important. Right, and our civilization needs something to do with climate change. Well, or no, what, are, what you are drawn to, too. Uh, what are okay. your skills, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, and so something that you have a chance of actually doing. So look at, your, look at the problems. Look at what your talents are, right. what you're passionate about or interested in, and yeah. go do that. And, you know, I wouldn't really say this, but I guess I will it, a dream has nothing to do with solving right? a problem, yeah. right? Yeah, a dream is, you've got to do something. And it's not going to be one year, it's going to be 30 years, right? It's going to be, and it may, it probably will be more than you can do. So, like for me, mm-hmm. it, it, it may be that I just contribute to the next generation where they solve it. Who mm-hmm. cares who solves it? But you had a, big, a vision big enough that it, it took, you know, you, you were able to spend 30 years on it. Do you have, um, like, was there ever a time over the last 30 years where you had felt like, 
I give up. This is too hard. It's, it's time to throw in the towel on this and do something else. I hate to tell you this, but the only hard part is when you're trying to deal with reality, right? If you're trying to sell stoves or deal with funding agencies, yes, that is extremely frustrating. When you're in the lab, just trying to solve the problem, it's never uh, frustrating. You learn after a while that you learn more from negative results than positive results. I mean, something doesn't work. You made a good experiment and it didn't work. Well, then you go, great. It's as rewarding to know what doesn't work because then I can check it off the list and then go to something else. What do you think you do better than most people? Uh, I don't, I, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I will keep going, even though nine out of 10 times the experiment doesn't work. And also I'm extremely optimistic. I keep on thinking right mm -hmm. around the corner. I'm going to find the solution. Uh -huh. You have that, that thought that, look, I might do, it might take me 10 years to do this and that's okay. Um, well, well, I mean, maybe we, 10 years would be great. Uh -huh. Jeff, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, if I, it would be amazing if I, in this lifetime can solve this problem. I still think, see, I'm so optimistic. Uh -huh. I'm like, well, in two years, I'll figure it out. Say you, you have the good fortune that two years from now you complete what you want to do. Yeah, what yeah. do you, what do you do after that? Well, I'm hoping that I have the good sense to quit. <laughs> you and I are now in my uh, prayer shack, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful space, the beautiful space, little space, little you know. And so I would love it if I was cool enough to just uh, lead a life of of adoring nature. Not enough people are telling mother earth that we remember her mm -hmm. and i would like to do that i think it on some weird level maybe it would help i don't know that that's a, a big transition from spending well i've always believed in all that stuff <laughs> you know right, but right, i haven't right. had a lot of time recently. yeah yeah you know for a young person everything is force of will every single thing uh -huh. and like you know you get old maybe you don't have to do that anymore. You can't. Uh -huh. Let's not fight it. Let's not try to be young mm -hmm. when we're old. And it is sad when you see old people putting on bikinis and stuff and you're like, man, you know, let's, there must be some groovy thing that all this failure, failure of eyes, failure of feet, failure of everything is preparing you for. And so then you just open up to God or whatever Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're going in this rotten canoe down a dark river, but hopefully towards a brilliant sun or something. The, 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 the rotten canoe being just your, the, the, your body. The body is yeah. decaying. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really move anymore. But you got this, you know, you're being the currents taking you towards God. Hopefully you see God and get enlightened. Is that what you're going for? Well, I don't. You, you, if you say that, you're not. All that everyone tells you. Right. That's that's what yes. they say. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying for you it, can't you can't try it for it. it. Yeah. But uh -huh. 
imagine if that, then you don't care. You're delivered from all that pain and suffering of, of old age. I, I've had this idea that, that the only reason to desire enlightenment is that maybe you'll be able to help somebody. Else? Yeah. Because cause I, I spent like 40 days in silent meditation yeah. retreats. Yeah. And man, I didn't get very far. No. <laughs> and it no. was like hard and confusing. And my mind just spaced out most yeah. of the time anyways. Yeah. Maybe when I'm like 60 Older. or 70, yeah. I, I don't have as much aspiration yeah. as I do right now. I think now. that's, I'm hoping it's a natural process okay. getting yeah. you ready to uh, let go. Right? Okay. And then it's going to happen by luck or by grace of God. It's not going to happen by force of will. <laughs> right. When you can't use you, force of will. Then, you, to get then you, you you're dependent on luck yeah. or grace. Well, Dean. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No, I hope that, uh, yeah, don't take this too seriously, people, because, you know, mostly I'm just trying to entertain you, right? So, <laughs> right. But, but I do think um, things are serious now and you know we should get to work and since we're bringing the world down by just normal life we that just is too stupid but we can't be that stupid for many more years without really paying dues you know so let's get smart now let's you may as well get smart <laughs> right now <laughs> thank I love you it. all right yeah, thank you dude right, sure okay I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Ignited with Meaning. I really loved hearing Dean's perspective on happiness and meaning. This is what I'm taking away. First of all, start by figuring out who you are and helping yourself to be that person or horse, if you prefer Dean's words. Then it's all about finding a way to help other people be happier by making better things, but not just anything something that can really improve the lives of the poorest people and save the world from climate change too. And then maybe they'll be happier and you'll feel like you've really made a difference. If you want to learn more about Aprovecho, get in touch with Dean or make a donation, please check out aprovecho.org. That's A-P-R-O-V-E-C-H-O.org. I'll include the link on my website at ignitedwithmeaning.com. In my next show, I'll be speaking with Brandon Lee, After many negative experiences with the police throughout his life, Brandon has found meaning and vision in working to develop greater harmony and alliance between law enforcement agencies and the communities they serve. He's got some powerful stories that I am excited to share. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Ignited with Meaning, where we're exploring the train of a meaningful life, taking steps to become our best selves, and finding more fulfillment. I hope you're walking away with some ideas and inspiration for your own life, If so, please share this podcast with a friend who you think would really get something out of it. Until next time, be persistent, keep looking, and together we'll build the better selves we're looking for. Mm -hmm.